0: Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. There we go. Kingdom-minded, servant-hearted. And I just think uh, that vision for the church is so powerful. Um, Kingdom-minded. What does that encompass? Where does that lead us to? Servant hearted, servant hearted. You exist for somebody else and not necessarily for yourself. And that's what I'm going to try to get to where and what we need to be in order to be kingdom minded, bring the kingdom here, and to serve one another. And uh, so Luke uh, 17 20 through 21. If we pull that scripture up, please. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. It's, it's amongst us. It's between us. Okay? So the kingdom of God... Is here and it's present, and it's in every action that you do. So, kingdom-minded, servant-hearted. Next slide, please. Vic talked about Ephesians 6:14-17, and it's the armor of God: the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the shoes of peace shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is your weapon, and that is your sword. If you're not in the Word of God, you have no ammo. And then uh, what's it for? What's this armor for? And the purpose of it, you have to go back to Ephesians 6.13, go back up to the top, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day... Having done all. Well, what does that mean? Having done all. You know, what's the purpose of your life? Right? Have you done everything that you're supposed to be doing? Who are you supposed to be? My fear... Next slide, please, Ross. My fear is at the conclusion of this life, to have to compare the life that I lived... And then have Christ show me the life that I should have lived. That is my fear. Why am I here in this specific time and place? Who am I supposed to be? For what? For who? I struggle with this every day. And we get busy in our days. You know, wake up in the morning, we're off to work. And we get so inundated with worldly things. When I put my head down at night after Dax is asleep and Lisa's in bed, and I wonder if I did everything that I was supposed to do that day. You know, where was I supposed to be? Did I pick up all the cues, and was I obedient to God? Did I help somebody that I was supposed to help? Did I not? I struggle with this every night, and I always always think about that. And it kind of changes perspective of when you wake up in the morning and what you pray about. So, next slide, please. So, I think Pastor Mark is very attractive. (laughs) He's very attractive. (laughs) I lived next to Mark for four years. You guys all know. For the folks that are new, he never asked me to church. But I was going through some tough times before I came here. And in those tough times... I always sought somebody that had all these qualities in him. Right. He was attracted to me. He pulled me his way. Right. Whenever I'd see him on the other side of the fence, he, he thought I didn't, I didn't like him or I found out he was a pastor, so I, I stayed away, but I didn't. I, I drew myself toward or I felt myself being drawn toward him, right. and it was because he was attracted. So the theme... Of today is to be attractive. Ugly people can't and won't see the kingdom of heaven. So if you ugly, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly, you ain't gonna see the kingdom. (laughs) And when you're attractive, you're in the presence of God. Period. When you're attractive. So in my search... Whenever I read, I'm always looking for that purpose. Who do I need to be? What do I need to do? Right? Who do I need to be? And it's just, it's, it's a constant search. And I fail at it every day. It is not something that I can perfect. Next slide, please. Old versus new. The Old Testament was all about the law, right. about I, uh, you shall not fill in the blank. It was all about what not to do. Yeah. So is it possible to be good and be of no good? Yeah. Right? You could follow all the rules, but really not be any good for anybody else. Can you be a Christian and believe that Christ died for you and he's your salvation, but not be a Jesus follower, right? You could believe, but what did Jesus do? He was a man of action, okay? He wasn't a man of sit and watch and come to church every Sunday. Does your relationship with Christ end at the door, or is it carried through the week? Okay, John thirteen thirty four. can we... Pull that up real quick. Jesus stepped on the pages of history to bring into a new world. He no longer um, put the focus on what not to do. He brought in and changed the the, the whole world on one commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you should love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Okay? And we'll, we'll, we'll get heavy into that. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to see what Jesus said about what I needed to be. And then after that, I looked to see what the Apostle Paul had to say and add on to it. And so that's where we're going to go today. So my disclaimer... Next slide, please. Disclaimer. This sermon is based on where I am at in my walk of faith, right? I've read these words, and this is what the Holy Spirit within me told me. This is what this means to me now. It may not be the same tomorrow. So it's your responsibility to find out who Christ wants you to be. It's not mine, right? So... I may not see some of these things the same way somebody else does. that's further in that walk. Or it's not as far in that walk. And that's okay. God made us beautiful and unique. And he wants you to bring that to the light. Okay? Right. So also, uh, no animals or small children were harmed, maimed, or sacrificed during the presenta- preparation of this presentation. So. <laughs> and it's okay to laugh at church. So, my methodology is I search for definitions, and where it leads me to is Matthew 5, which is the, the Beatitudes, and I, uh, let's see, so uh, that's where we're going to go through, blessed are We're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to take each one of those characteristics, and we're going to define them a little bit so we can further understand exactly what Jesus kind of wanted us to be, right? Through my eyes, okay? All right, so let's go to the first one. Red us. I gotta I gotta talk fast because I gotta talk fast for my bladder, and then also I think we got competition with some sort of a soccer game or something going on today. Hot was it hockey? All right. Okay, so uh, beatitude, be beatitudes, beatitudes. That's kind of hard to say for me, and so that's why I put the pronunciation up there so I wouldn't screw it up. So beatus. Meaning blessed. Blessed is being in the presence, in the favor of God. Yes, it is. So I'm in the presence of God when I am poor in spirit. Yeah. So on and so forth. I am in his presence. If I'm in his presence, is, God is, not, is he not in his kingdom all the time? So if I'm in his presence, am I bringing that kingdom down here between us? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. With a servant heart. Radvick, am I supporting you here, brother? <laughs> okay. So when you start to walk it, your heart will change. When you start to walk it, your heart will change. So let's go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So what does poor in spirit mean? Recognition of one's of one's spiritual poverty. We don't actually know what happens in that spiritual world. We go on faith. But we don't actually know what the actions we take each and every day on what we're doing for the Lord in His kingdom. I think the gap between us and a full understanding of God is beyond our understanding and it's by design because He wants us to walk in that faith. To bridge that gap another meeting is broken hearted and it's not in the sense that oh my heart is broken he doesn't love me no more or she doesn't love me no more I think broken they define this as more as like breaking a horse in it's attained it's a trained heart right protect your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life Protect that heart. Train that heart. Because the world, Satan, he's, he, he wants to take it from you. Poor spirit, humility. Humility means getting your confidence in who you are from God. Who does Christ see you to be? Right? Yes. Not who you, your mother sees you to be. Yes. Not who your brother sees you to be. It's who Christ sees you to be. Because the two can be very, very different. Believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion. Embrace who you are in Christ over who you are in the flesh. So free of concern for your own ego, so free of concern from your own ego, that you automatically elevate others. And it's that focus off of you to be free To be there for somebody else. Being Being teachable. Teachable makes you ready to mourn, to be meek, to hunger for for righteousness, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, a peacemaker. Being teachable allows you to be transformed by God. Hmm. When I, uh, when I turned 30 in my career, I accomplished a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And for some reason, I didn't be too aggressive on going where I wanted to go. I changed my perspective, and when my, my bosses came to me and asked me to do different things, I always answered back, what is best for the organization? I just, what's best for the organization? I'll do whatever you want me to do. What's best for the organization? And when you have that humble mindset, it took me down paths that I could have never designed for myself. And it took me in the way of some beautiful, beautiful people that I'm so thankful that I had a chance to meet. So have that humble heart. Allow God to lead you where you need to go. Mm. And I continue to do that. I just, I love it. And uh, and the opportunities I get at work are phenomenal. I just can't believe I get to do what I get to do because I'm willing to serve, right? I'm serving the organization. I'm in the presence of God when I serve the organization, right? When I serve my boss, when I serve my, um, my operators. So, all right. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning, caused by or showing sincere remorse, filled with a sense of guilt and desire for atonement. If we have a, a submissive, tame, and trained heart, then we also have a repentant and penitent spirit. You oppose pride, and you give the glory to God. And this is a tough one for me. It's a tough one, pride. I always ask myself, am I doing this for the Lord? Or am I doing this for me? And I think it's a fine line. But this is also not being worthless. Okay? You are, as Vic pointed out in an earlier sermon, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. When you put yourself down, you reduce the divinity of your existence. Okay? A contrite heart, a mournful heart, is one in which natural pride and self-sufficiency have been completely humbled by the consciousness of guilt. It's grief at the relevation, revelation, revelation revelation, revelation of sin. And I, when I help with communion, Mark asked me to help with communion, and I'm like, oh gosh. Because it's so emotional for me. Yeah. Because at that moment, I'm free. I'm free of what my past was, who I was yesterday, who I was an hour ago. It's a freedom. And I mourn because of the sins that I commit that I know of. And I also mourn for the sins that I commit that I'm not aware of. on missed opportunities. And it's because maybe I'm not as strong in the word as I should be or where I wanted to be in my life at this point. And I look back on my history and I'm like, so many missed opportunities to love somebody. that, That breaks my heart. Mournful heart. Mm-hmm. I need to hear more, more from you, Sid, because it's just like a quiet room right now. <laughs> Blessed are the meek, they shall, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness involves mercy and self-restraint. What's the difference between meek and weak? If you are weak, if you are weak, you can't do anything and you can't do anything about it. If you're meek, you have the power to do something, but you choose not to. So meekness is strength. Okay? When I, was, uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, every month, no, every quarter, all the instructors and evaluators would have a meeting. And we'd decide on aircrew air crew who would upgrade, their progression, all that kind of stuff. And we'd get in that room and close the door, and uh, it would get pretty heated at times because, you know, people get passionate about, you know, a friend of theirs or whatever, and they want them to upgrade, and, and we kind of decide on that. And then so we had um, a lieutenant colonel in the room and then a a tech sergeant. You know, lieutenant colonel is well above the tech sergeant. And things flew and the tech sergeant said something very, very derogatory, a personal comment to the lieutenant colonel. And the lieutenant colonel looked at, at the tech sergeant and I could just see the hurt on his face. And, and, and he, didn't, he chose not to do anything. He could have taken that guy and disciplined him and made it really, really ugly for him, docked his pay or whatever. But he just looked at him with a hurt face. What a beautiful example of meekness. He's probably forgotten about that, you know, a long time ago. But I will never forget that because it was such a... I didn't know what I was looking at at the time until I got into work. He had the power to do something. And he chose not to. Okay, all right. So Paul, the apostle Paul, uses the term long suffering. Long suffering. What is long suffering? Long suffering comes from between. Uh, comes from two Greek words. Uh, one being slow, or long, and the and uh, suffering is temperament. So having a slow temper. And when I realize the definition of this, I'm in the presence of God when I exercise long suffering. I've got a temper. My mom used to call me killer. And it's just because I I had a temper. And when I get angry at something, it boils up in me so fast that it's hard to control. And I don't know where the source comes from, you know, in my childhood or who knows where it's from. But... Um, I have to be on guard for that. And if I keep the word in my heart with that tame heart, the devil never has a chance to push that up. And so I had to change some uh, transmission lines in my truck one day. It took me eight hours, and it was just a nasty, dirty mess. And the only thing that kept me from getting upset and throwing wrenches and all that kind of stuff is I had Christian music playing the whole time. And I just loved it. Because it was filling my heart, and the devil never had a chance to come into the room. Just such a wonderful thing. So, all righty. So by exercising that patience, I think uh, Lisa can attest that uh, um, I started practicing this in the last couple of weeks uh, with uh, just being with Dax. You know, at the end of the day, when his energy spins up, You know, me at the ripe old age of 54 years old, that's when I have no more energy left. And when in that time that I don't have that energy, that's when the Lord, or that's when the devil comes in and he can own you. Because you're not who you typically are in a low state. And so I am just I'm always on the defense that time of night to exercise that patience. So when I slow down and I don't get upset with them. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in his kingdom. Right? All right. So, when we show mercy, when we show power under restraint, patience, we're in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? All right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they should be filled." My favorite scripture on this is so powerful. Second uh, Chronicles 1, 10 through 12. So God asked Solomon what he wanted as he's taken over the kingdom. And Solomon answers, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? He wanted wisdom. And what a powerful thing to, uh, to ask for. This is the truth that plants your feet on solid ground. It's the sword to strike down the enemy, the hunger to know Christ, Know the Father is reflected in the sharpness of your sword. The word, your sword, your sharpening stone. I seek wisdom, and this is, uh, this just came to me and I wrote it down. I seek wisdom not to be successful, but to be fruitful. Yeah. Right? To be fruitful. To be somebody for somebody else. Intelligence is limited in this world, okay? You can be super smart on how to navigate the avenues of this world, make all kinds of money, be successful, be intelligent, but wisdom, that's what I want. Wisdom transcends both heaven and earth. Wisdom allows you to sleep at night, okay? Wisdom allows you to love yourself. Wisdom allows you to forgive yourself. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Merciful is forgiveness when you have the power to punish. It's pretty close to being meek. Compassionate behavior from someone in power. Mercy is a fruit of compassion. mercy recognizes suffering and takes action James 2:13 I'm making Ross work back there yeah. <laughs> For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy Mercy triumphs over judgment so at the end of the road, if I had no mercy, my judgment will have no mercy. There you go. And, I, and I'm human. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I just don't want any judgment coming my way. So I'm not going to judge others. Right? Amen? Yeah. Amen? All righty. <laughs> so I was on a—when a, um, Kosovo was going on, I was at uh, Headquarters Air Mobility Command, and that's the headquarters— Anything airlift you know C17, C5s, 141, I mean the, the airlift, anything airlift that went in the military whoop, was there and, and my job was I had to collect all the data of every piece of equipment every piece of equipment <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that went downrange to Kosovo. So, uh, in that briefing, what we had to do is uh, we collected the data and, the, and we put together a slide presentation, a lot like this, and it was about 110. Is this on? There we go. Yeah. It's about 110 slides. And me and this other captain, John Bellick, ran around the entire headquarters floor collecting all this information and we put it together in a brief, and we briefed a board Colonel that turned around and briefed a one-star general. The one-star general took that brief and briefed it to a four-star general, and then the four-star general took that brief and briefed it to Congress. Congress wanted to know what was moving every single day, and we did that every day, every day. And after about the 25th, 26th day without a break, without a day off, uh, we were sitting in the room, and, and the day before, the general wanted a, cha- a change on the slide. Well, when we put it together and made that change, and we presented it to the full board colonel, he goes, No, change this back to whatever. And it went, it went against what the general said. And he goes, Change it back. And we were like, Sir, I, the, I think the general wanted it this way, right? And here we are, captains, full board colonel. There's a big jump between there. And uh, we went back and forth, and Colonel Johns finally turned to John Bellick, and it was like, change the slide. And John Bellick turned to him and said, Sir, you don't know what the hell you're looking at. And you, you don't say that. You just don't say it. And I was just like, oh, I just want to leave. I don't want to be here. And that full colonel, you know, was in front of the whole staff there at headquarters, you know, you know a lot of power he said everybody out of the room Merzina, Bellick, sit out and I'm like oh, I didn't, oh. everybody cleared out that colonel sat next to me and John and he turned to John and he said John what am I missing? what don't I see? and that is he once again he had the power to just you just don't ever speak to a, a, a colonel like that but he was in a position to know that John was stressed and there was something going on beyond what he said. Merciful. He, he could have crushed him, but he didn't. He, he, he gave him that grace. And I just, it's just a beautiful example. Okay. We're going to go off of the Beatitudes, and we're going to go into the Apostle John. So next slide, please. Forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Forgiveness. Is it possible? Can we truly forgive somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot of pain in this room. I know there is. Things that somebody have done, to, somebody's done to you. Maybe th- something you've done to somebody else. Yeah. Is it truly cape Are you truly capable of letting that go and yeah. truly forgiving yourself? What is the purpose of forgiveness? Is it for the other person? Or is it for you? Right? This is a tough road. Because maybe that somebody you're supposed to be forgiven still has a leash on you. And tugs on that leash to remind you of the hurt. There's a lot of evil in, that wor- in this world. And Lisa just shares a small piece of it. Because people come to her with just tremendous hurts. And it is amazing um, being able to forgive some of the stories that I've heard. For her. And it's, it's, it's a tough road. But to live whole and pursue the purpose of our life, we must forgive. Forgiveness is an act of letting go of the past. Where is God? God is in the present. He is not in the past. When you dwell in the past, you're not in the kingdom of heaven. You're not in the kingdom of God. Okay? When you're in the present and you forgive and let go of that, when you're in the present, you're in the kingdom. Right, Vic? Understanding the importance of forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person, has everything to do with you, so you can be free to be who you are supposed to be. As we get better at forgiveness, we are able to love one another through a transformed spirit. How about forgiveness for yourself? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Once again, you're probably living in the past and not the present. Every regret that I have in my life is when I put myself before somebody else and I hurt somebody else. Right. Yeah, I've gotten regrets financially in some of the decisions I've made, but the ones that haunt me when I let the devil in are the ones when I hurt somebody else. And when I take communion, I can let that go. I can let it go. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Mm. I imagine how Jesus sees me at that moment. So clean, so pure. You know? Who you are in Christ, not of the flesh. And as I forgive myself and live in the present, I can be there for you and for others. Mm. If our broken hearts, burdens, and hurts, let me stay on the, let's go to Luke 8, 17. No, can we, yeah, purpose yourself, yourself. Um, I was asked earlier this week, it's a great, great question. If you had the opportunity to have $10 million or go back to being six with what you know now, which would you choose? Right? Which one would you choose? It, it, for me, it's not even a decision. I want to go back to being six, especially if that's my dad, because I'd give it back to him. <laughs> because of the wisdom that I've gained where I want my life to be or where I want it to go in the eyes of who I am today versus me as a child. I could have earned way more than $10 million by having the knowledge that I have now. But I could have loved so much more. I could have made such a difference, so many different lives than I have to this point. So that's where I'm going from here on out. Right? So Luke 18, eight? Seventeen. Let's see. Uh, oh, that's, I love this. I love this. Um, does anybody know what the Long Island Medium is? Long Island Medium. It's it's this. She's a medium, and medium is somebody that can speak in this world and be able to listen to people in in the next world. Whether that's a thing or not, I love the show because it's a it's a healing show, right? And uh, there was an episode where there was, she was talking to uh, a deceased police officer that in the last 10 years of his life, alcohol got a hold of him, and, and it took his life because of it. And he left a family, a heartbreak, and uh, he, he and his wife just had just all that, that guilt thinking she could have done more. And, uh, but... Um, but he said, I had, to, I had to relive my life through your eyes. So anybody that's ever hurt you in the past, they may have to relive their life through the eyes of you and how that hurt you. I mean, that is so powerful to me. And it says it right in the Word. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. So if we're hanging on to something and you're looking for justice, maybe justice just isn't a thing. We don't need justice when we leave this world. Do we? No, I don't think we do. Because it'll all come to light. And those hurts, there might be just a human endeavor. And when we're completely released to that, when we go into in the next world and we become perfect, none of that stuff really matters. So why hang on to it? Why have it be an anchor in your life today? Yeah. Just to move on and to forgive. Because it's only, it's your anchor. It's not the other person's anchor. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light Affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Basically, um, our troubles are just of this world. They're just this world. And what are you living for? I'm living for the next one. Okay? So when we forgive, we're in the presence of God. When we forgive, it might hurt. It's hard to let go, but I want to be in the presence of God, and it means more to me than the transgression of somebody else, so when we forgive, we're in the kingdom of God. All right, let's keep going, pure in heart. I got to keep rolling, because there's a football game, we am getting about ready to start, so, okay, pure, pure in heart. What is pure in heart? When somebody says, I've got uh, a nugget, pure gold, what does that mean? That means there's nothing else in it, right? If there was something else in it, it would be an alloy. Pure gold, pure in heart, one purpose, one purpose. If you're pure in heart, it's one purpose. Glorify God. Everything you do, one purpose. Glorify God. Mm. A pure heart is one that is single without any kind of mixture. 1 Timothy, First 1 Timothy 1. 1.5. There it is. Now the purpose of the commandment is to love, to love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Oh, God. that's just everything right there. From a pure heart to love. To love, not be loved, to love. Our spirit is, by, is the organ by which we receive Christ. Our heart is the ground where Christ puts his seed. We need to be pure in heart to allow that seed to grow, right. to allow Christ to grow in your heart. Mm. And Christ does not just want us to be good, He wants us to do good. He just doesn't want to be received by us. He wants to grow in us. So when we have a single purpose to glorify God, we are in the kingdom of God. Peacemaker. We'll go back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemaker versus peacekeeper. A peacemaker finds conflict and tries to solve it, a peacemaker or peacekeeper avoids conflict and tries to keep the peace. A peacemaker is one who actually tries to reconcile people to God and to one another. It's about helping people reconcile who have broken relationships among themselves. Peace rules in your heart. How can we be peacemakers if we have conflict in our own hearts? It's not to say we don't have seasons of difficulties when we're not at peace but struggles in this world once we already established are temporary. This peace we find through good times and bad, we find in Christ, and it's eternal. Uh, Philippians 4, 7. Do you guys have that? Sweet. Okay, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I'm hoping all this is kind of sinking in and filling your heart, a peacekeeper looks for that conflict and tries to find resolution in a gentle way. But resolute in truth with God's word. He doesn't just blow in the wind. He's on a rock, solid ground with the word of God. Romans 4.19, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another, edify another, the focus is not on you, right, somewhere else. All right, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, oh this is a good one and we're we're getting close to the end. All right. Matthew 10.34. Matthew 10.34. Let's pull that up. It's hot in here. Ross is making me sweat up here. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. In Jesus' words, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. As you grow in Christ, your relationships are going to change. they are going to change. And because you're going to change. And Lisa and I were discussing this last night, and I should have had her go through my whole sermon because she would have completely changed it. But uh, she talked, let's go back to the slide, uh, uh, the dance, system dynamics, what's going to happen is as you change, whatever systems you are in, your work system, your home system, if you change, that changes the system. Right. And when that system changes, that creates friction, yeah. right? All of a sudden, you don't react to what the other person says. And that changes that dynamic. And they are going to, like crabs in a bucket, they're going to try to pull you back to what their expectations are. And you've got to fight that. Persecuted for the righteousness sake. As you grow in Christ, you're going to face trials and tribulations. Your relationships are going to change. But hold fast. Why? If you hold fast and don't give in, guess what? All of a sudden, they're forced to change. And over time, you may bring them to the Lord. Right? Prosecutor for righteousness' sake. Stand on solid ground. Right. Know your scripture. Know Christ. Get into it. Okay? Okay? I'm just I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying to skip some things to move this along. Yeah, that good word. Good word. <laughs> All right. Uh, Galatians 2:20. I love this one. I love this one. Galatians 2:20. Let me let me in there. Let's just go right to it. <laughs> There it is. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I know I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your flesh is dead. You're living in Christ in your spirit. Okay? Crucify it. When you start getting pulled back, crucify that flesh. Okay? Next slide, please. When you grow in Christ and suffer for it, you're in the kingdom of God. Kindness. What is kindness? So this is going back to what Paul talks about, kindness. Kindness is a, it's an outward focus. It's not about you. My favorite definition of it is leveraging your strengths for the benefit of of somebody else. Yeah. I spent my whole life doing that. God gave me these wide short shoulders to carry a load. Right. And a load I will carry. Yeah. Not for me, but for others. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Um, getting into this kindness thing, I, uh, I got a, a diesel truck out front, and it's got a lot of scars and dents in it. And, but um, I went and bought a, uh, a tow strap. I always keep a tow strap in my truck. And if somebody needs to get pulled out of the ditch, I stop and I help. Just a, and for no other reason, just because I want to be in the presence of God. When you show kindness, you are in the kingdom of God. Oh, John thirteen thirty four. Can we pull that up, please? Let's get back to it. How is love used in that? Is that a noun? Is it based on how somebody treats you? Is it based on your emotion? Is it based on what you're getting out of it? Okay, where's the focus? It's a word of action. It's to love one another. If you love somebody else, no matter what the circumstances were, to actually love somebody else, what does that look like? What will that look like? It's so powerful when you take the focus off yourself and put it on somebody else and then what happens to you when you do that you might start to love yourself more you know that's a byproduct when you take your focus off yourself it's impossible to think bad about yourself cuz you're not thinking about yourself you're thinking about somebody else right so take the focus off yourself and look for ways To love your neighbor. Okay? Hmm. And here's the kicker. Um, That you love one another as I have loved you. At this moment, how is Christ loving you? Forgiven your sins. Forgiven what you did yesterday. How is he loving you? There's no memory there. Love one another as I have loved you. Love you. That's, a heavy, that's a heavy one. Amen, Sid? Amen. Amen, Sid. Amen. All right. Okay, so we went through all these. And let's, let's, let's wrap this up. The, in, the end game. The end game. Matthew five one through six. No, five, five, sixteen. Five sixteen. One through six. And I can get there, because I'm right here, right? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works.